How you going, guys? And welcome to episode 008 of the T-Better's Bulletin Podcast for Dream Team Talk. I'm T-Better, your host, and I'm a bit up and about this week. I'm actually, it's a little bit of sweet because I'm, I'm actually doing quite terribly in Dream Team. But on the other side of things, we have a man, 57th overall in the world. He's going great guns. He's actually added a little bit of credibility to his uh, his new role as one of the traders. I'm talking, of course, about Warndog. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. T bets. Yeah, going all right. I'm um, 57th. It's pretty awesome to after we had that really awesome first week, and then obviously to back it up with um, I backed it up quite well. The other blokes didn't, but um, in round two when we did, when we were able to actually you know reset our whole team, so that was pretty good. That I've uh, well two weeks on from that now, I'm still looking all right. Yeah, exactly. 57th after three weeks. That's uh, it's no longer just a one hit wonder. You're uh, looking the goods and. If I remember correctly, that's actually not even a career best for you. You've done quite well in the past. I have. Don't like to brag about <laughs> coming 13th overall before or anything like that. But yeah, no. It's 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 uh, it's new for me, though. The start of the season to be that good. It's um it's an interesting thing. And I think that was probably one of the big parts of AFL Fantasy this year. You did need a good start. I always thought because of how the free hit would work that you'd needed a bit of a head start to help out and um yeah i've got that so fingers crossed i can keep myself up there I'm, i'd be quite happy with a, another top 100 finish at the end of the year but there's a bloody long way to go exactly and with two trades per week you've got to be on your on your toes for the whole season all right so what was your score this week one dog uh, just to give someone everyone an idea of what it takes to be top 100 in the world yeah, twenty one sixteen. Um, as we sort of talked about on our podcast um, the other day, was pretty much that. I think most scores are going to hover around that now. I think that's in all forms of the game, sort of that uh, two thousand through to two one. Um, that's what it's looking like at the moment. I guess we all copped a fair bit of carnage, and I don't think any team would have escaped um, the terrible forward line carnage of the week. That was probably the worst of it for most people. I know I had a lot of sixty sitting there, um, so I would have probably you know could have had another 80 points or so just from guys that underperformed in my forward line. Um, but yeah, I think that's about about where we're at. Um, if you did get over 2,000 this week in AFL Fantasy, I think you did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, good. Uh, a score starting with two would be absolutely awesome for me right now. I had 1973, <laughs> and as you said, it was the forward line that got me. I was looking through my scores, and it was kind of like one of those uh, backhanded job application rejection letters. So you look through the first <laughs> first three paragraphs, and they're saying all good things about you, and you get to the last paragraph and says, oh, actually, unfortunately, you know, you're not getting the gig. So back line looked good, midfield did all right, rucks were okay, and then the forward line, I had Lacroix. Uh, he obviously got Ouch. injured on 16, um, Mitchell, and, and I woke up this morning and thought I had a nightmare. I thought, you know, traded out uh, Sean Higgins for Zorko, and then realised that it wasn't actually a dream. I did that and lost uh, 40 points in what was supposed to be an upgrade, Damn. so that was pretty massive. I know Calvinator did it as well, and he actually talked me into that, so... Cheers for that, VA. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think we'll get into the polling and trolling now. Who have you got for the three votes in polling, Wondog? Oh, three votes. You have to go with Adam Trelaw, I think. He was, well, the highest scorer of the round. Um, you don't always don't have to say that this comes from the, the three votes, comes from the highest scorer of the round, but Trelaw definitely deserves it. He was huge. He had 14 tackles amongst his points there, so that was massive. Roy and Calvin both got on board him, and that was a bit of group thing from them. I wasn't involved in that conversation, so I felt a little bit left out, but um, they both got on board, and I was sort of quite happy with myself that I didn't have him last week for 69, but he did repay the faith this week with a massive 159. 
Yeah, he was massive, and I actually got on board as well. Adam Trelaw, he's um, I think. Really oh, were you involved in that conversation as well? Oh well, yeah, I think we sort of left you out. It's weird that you're uh, the one doing well and you didn't have the guy who got 159 <laughs> this week. But you know, he's looking like he's probably got five or six or uh, Brownlow votes locked up um, from round one and round three. So I'm thinking, and I'm not happy about this. He could be getting a tag in the next couple of weeks as he's been massive. Another guy who's been massive. I'm going to go with uh, two votes in the polling here. I'm going to kick you out here, Warn Dog, and you love him. Oh. <laughs> this is your boy. He um, is. Oh God, hang on. It's, uh, oh, it's yeah, a little bit excited here. <laughs> <laughs> it's old note Paul Chapman, uh, the new bomber, and uh, your lookalike. He's going pretty good guns, 134 on the weekend. What a beautiful man to start with. How good does he look in red and black? Number three is certainly going to be on my new bombers jump. I'm ripping off my James Heard number five after he <laughs> brought disgrace to it. But yes, no, how good was that? So 134 points. Um, I was sweating massively at the start of the game because he went off injured. Um, oh, look, yeah. He had a bit of an ankle. He rolled it, I think, um, early in the game. He was down the roots for a few minutes, like enough for me just to be... Well, I think um, I counted eight tweets of people letting me know that he was injured. <laughs> But um, he was uh, enough time for me to worry. But he did come back out. Twenty-three touches. That's the thing. He doesn't even have to have huge amount of touches, which he hasn't had. But he just loves kicking a few goals. He kicked four sausage rolls in this game. But um, adding it up, like he was around there for a few plus sixes. Had those eleven marks as well. So. Yes, that was brilliant. However, I've got to tone it down a little bit because things might be a little bit different this week. Yeah, go put the lid on it because Paul Chapman is actually touted not to play this week in Perth. And we've come to expect that from what Essendon said in the pre-season with the way they're going to try and get him to play 16 to 18 games. And I guess the trip west is, uh, Could be is the perfect time to do it. Yeah, so... Fingers crossed, but it's not looking likely. So we'll the more just... and more I read and the, see the press conferences, I'm thinking that this is it. Like he will miss this week. Um, I think he or he said last night on the uh, Talking Footy show, um, he said pretty much that it's either this week or the St Kilda game next week. And so putting two and two together, firstly, he's going to miss one of them if he's already talking like that. That's true. But this is just that perfect opportunity, especially as Freo are pretty depleted as well. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the trip west, you know, getting the, the travel factor out of that would help. Just uh, before we get onto the one vote there, Wondog, will you trade Paul Chapman this week if he doesn't play or will you hold for Well, you know, I've only got him in AFL Fantasy and I think I will trade him uh, just because I can't trust any forward rookies. I think that's probably the main thing. Um, I'm, yeah, considering going to, what's his name? This, this is terrible. My brain's really not Jackson working. Jackson Merritt, right. possibly. No, no, I was actually, I've got enough cash there, I think they're about the same price now anyway, is to go to um, Dangerfield. That's what oh. I was looking at, just because um, he's got a brilliant run of games coming up, so that's, um, that's where I'm thinking. And I guess with two weeks of uh, price drops for Dangerfield, he could be uh, round about, uh, you know, something that's more affordable for what he's done so far. All right, let's move on to the one vote, and he's a rookie guy I've got down here, and he's going great guns at the moment. Well, he did play against your boys on the weekend and looked pretty good. He was That's Luke Dunstan. He is the St Kilda uh, draftee. He smashed out 113 points, and he's looked pretty good in all of his games so far this year. So he's had the biggest price rise in that other game that we that you like, that um, <laughs> I unofficially can't like, or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, he, had, he went up 95k in Real Dream Team. But, um, you know, as you've pointed out, I think you've got a bit excited about him. He's a new wines. 
Yeah, I like the way he looks. I mean, he's obviously a similar build, and we've touted that over the preseason. But if we look back to last year, in Wines' first three games, he had a 102-point average. And this year, Dunstan's going at 97. So very similar types of players, and uh, they're going at a nice little trajectory at the moment. So I'm pretty excited about him, and I think he'll have to be on my ground from here on out. I accidentally... Uh, benched him this week, which uh, attributed to, to my nightmare of a round. But uh, anyway, let's go on to honourable mentions. Um, we can't go past Tom Rockliffe. Uh, I know oh, Roy yeah. was Roy's excited. Boy. Absolutely, yeah. And just one thing about him, 157 on the weekend, but he had three goals in both of his weeks, obviously round one and round three being uh, suspended for round two. He, yeah. That won't happen every week, obviously, but with Rich out, he doesn't, well... You know, using our brains, he probably won't tag and shoot players in midfielder from here on out. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think that was a bit more of a realistic look at um, look at Rocky on the weekend. Um, he didn't really, you know, he had his own ball. He was doing his own thing. I think that's what the Lions need to do with him. That's, uh, yeah, exactly right. So Rich being out has to help him, um, one, have more midfield time and two, be one of their ball winners. So um, that's what obviously should happen from here. Yeah, and, and for those playing Real Dream Team, he's only played the two games, so he hasn't had his price rise yet. Just remember that. Another honourable mention has to go to the guy that I was considering trading in this week. I got out our old mate Dane Swan, who's had a pretty oh. slow start to the year. I'll just glaze over that. But Joel Selwood uh, was the guy that was probably the right answer to trade you know, in the midfield. Uh, Stevie J had a down weight. We'll get to that soon. Uh, Pendlebury was locked down. Beams was locked down. Joel Selwood was the right guy, 116, and he's actually one of six players, only six players in the competition, to have uh, three tons on the trot in the first three weeks, so he's going great guns. Uh, have you got him in your team, Wanda? I do. I was um, pretty excited about him. I got him at the right time last year, too. Got him uh, just around the buys when he started smashing it again, um, and he had a massive back half of the year, so I backed him in again this year. I know that he had that round eight buy with those guys. I'm not stressing too much about that because I think our trading can help us out with buy rounds, um, especially in fantasy, where we do have um, our two trades per week to use. Uh, yeah, but, geez, I've been pumped with his start. It was brilliant. He's awesome. Okay, let's get a little bit more negative now. I feel like I need to uh, tell some players off and give them a little kick out the ass. Uh, can you kick us off with the three votes for the trolling this week, Wanda? Yep, now I don't have him, but I took great pride in knowing that Calvin does, um, and that <laughs> is Steve Johnson. He had 69 points. He caught the tag from Guthrie, and a lot of people were pretty excited about him. He was one of the top scorers last week, or was he the top scorer? I think he might have been the top scorer last week. So, yeah, he's up there, um, yeah, so he, you know, everyone's all excited about him. We're in fantasy with those price changes. He went up higher than what he was to start with, and he was already the most expensive player in the comp. So um, everyone thought, oh, yeah, good on you. Let's get on Stevie J. But no good, 69 points. So it was a pretty disappointing effort for those that had him. And the, those that did back him in as captain, which I'm sure quite a few people did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shawnee T, my younger brother, obviously, he brought him in this week and captained him, which uh, which has been a bit of a taboo thing to do. Uh, he got stung by that. Um, he's off him. A guy that I traded in this week, luckily didn't captain him, and we talked about a little bit already, Dane Zorko, actually. Uh, 59 points. I, I can't believe I got tricked again. Last year, he burnt me. Second year, Blues. I said I'd never get him. Uh, then Calvinator talked me into him. And, uh, I, I mean, I guess the other guy I was considering was Dalhouse, and he only got 60-ish. So 
Not a big change, and I think this might be a one-off because he got that massive hit from May where he went ass up. So, look, hopefully he gets a little bit more midfield time with Rich's ACL. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I think he's looking pretty good too. You can't stress too much about him. Very disappointing. It always sucks that first week that you get someone and everyone has their little story of who they traded out for him. And so Calvin's was... He went with... Um, oh, who was Higgins. it? Bloody? Higgins, that's yeah, right. Yeah, so Higgins. 95 points. Killed me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I did Pav, and I'm not completely devastated about that, but Pav's, you know, still had 25 points odd more than any more, something like that. So, um, yeah, or maybe 30-odd. God, it's disappointing when that when that happens. But, you know, you've got to stick with it. Think of the long term. Um, are you going to trade him out this week? No, because, you know, it is probably a little bit of a blip, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely not. A guy that uh, did have a little bit of a blip on the radar and might be out for a couple of weeks... He was a rookie, uh, very popular, and a late withdrawal. Who am I talking about? That would be Patrick Ambrose, one of ah. those bomber boys. And it always sucks when it's the last game of the round, too, that you're sort of sitting there, you sit back and you think you're right, and then some people might have needed him um, as to be there, or a lot of people might have had him as that sixth forward and so therefore took one of those atrocious um, bench rookie scores, which I don't think anyone would have had anyone on their forward bench with the E on that they would have taken a score that they would have even been remotely happy with, especially with Rowan doing what he does and JKH, well, he had the vest and JKH had the vest as well and there's not too many other guys out there that did pretty well that you would have actually had on the pine. So would have been shocking if you had that. I didn't, but I do have him in the side, so it's a little bit of a worry now that he is out for two weeks. Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. It's a, it's a quad injury, and there was no real talk about that before lockout, which, uh, exactly. which I guess attributed to a lot of people bringing him in with his, uh, with his good break-even, I guess. Um, that's pretty devastating news, especially for those in the uh, limited trade versions of the game with Real Dream Team and Supercoach. That's got to hurt. I actually was going to bring him in, but had too many issues elsewhere uh, in Real Dream <laughs> Team to get on board. So that's a little bit of luck for a team that has done pretty average until now. Honourable mentions, and I, I mentioned him off the top of the show as well, Tom Mitchell. Um, well, I guess his dishonourable mentions because he was going great guns first two weeks, 93 and 95. I was giving myself a little pat on the back, and he looked pretty average on the weekend, and, and they eventually subbed him out for 41. And I mean, is that a long-term... Should we be concerned long-term, or is it just one of those off days for... I'm just hoping it's one of those off days. I had a look at the injury list that was updated today, and he wasn't on there, so there doesn't seem to be an issue with him. However, we can't always trust the injury list. But, um, yeah, it just must have been an off day, surely. Like, as Roy spoke about, he was talking about how um, it was... Parker did what Mitchell was doing on the weekend, so hopefully it's not too bad. I wouldn't be jumping off him just yet, but, geez, it's going to be a bit of a price decrease you'll see early on. Yeah, just about Parker, four goals. That's not normally that's pretty massive for a midfielder, and that's like you said, Tom Mitchell normally gets around those cheap little ones in the forward line. Uh, you're a big fan of the St Kilda Ruckman, Tom Hickey. How are you uh, feeling about <laughs> <I was>. his? <laughs> How are you feeling about his 39 weekend? I guess it was kind of to be expected against the Eagles. It was, uh, th- and that's the thing. Like I, I can't complain too much about. It. I would have expected at least a 50 though. That's it hurts when it is down in those 30s, 39 points. So he was always going to struggle against those Eagle Rucks, but um, yeah, it just wasn't. I don't know. I, I would have gone, yeah, 55 would have been a pass even. That's the sort of thing. And the worst thing was, it was always a talk about him even 
possibly not suiting up in the game. So um, after a bit of an ankle, I think it was the week before, um, he flew over. So that was all good signs. And I was considering trading, but the fact that he was over there in Perth, ready to go, thought, no, nah, might as well stick with him. And then um, thinking about uh, my bench ruckman, that was another interesting part. Old fantasy freako talked me into going with Derek's on the bench. And when he potted out his 31, I thought, oh, phew, thank God he's named and all that sort of stuff. And he scored eight points more. So it wasn't all that good at the end of the day. But anyway, stick with it. He's still got a break-even that is low enough and he will still be increasing in value for the Warn Dogs. Yeah, you would think that was just a little blip there coming against the three Eagles. All right, I think um, apart from mentioning Drew Petrie, which I just no, no one should have him, but he had 11 points on the weekend. He's second score under 25. You just got to get rid of him. He's looking terrible. And you know what? He deserves to be dropped because... You can't be a premium of his sort of status and put up those kind of efforts. Anyway, look, we'll move on to uh, the under-the-radar guys, the 2014 surprises. There's a few in there and a couple in that I'm considering in trading in this week. If you, if you want to know the real deal about the three, we'll let us you with a triple trouble, y'all. we got to bring you up to speed. Now check it out. Here's one for the bleachers and the Okay, we're starting the back line now, and obviously, Warner, you're a big Bomber fan. How have you seen Kale Hooker so far? Well, he's not really on my radar, but he has to be there at the moment because he is, yeah, averaging 101, so it's looking pretty good at the moment. Um, the Bombers, as we'll talk about later, I'm sure, the Bombers are a fantasy side at the moment and loving life, and if you've got a Bomber there, you can expect some decent scores. I think everyone should see a little bit of an increase, especially those sort of mid-level players just from those extra touches that they're getting around the ground. But, um, yeah, could he be up there, do you reckon? At the end I, of the year? I don't know. Look, he's a guy for probably ultimate footy. He's one of those you would love to have because it's very low risk. But in terms of bringing him into your fantasy side, I don't know. He's He reminds me of Sam Fisher, and I've said this before on the podcast, where it's a structural thing. He's not a terribly efficient or effective player, although he has looked very good defensively this year. But, you know, he's probably scoring more fantasy points than the eye would suggest. So, look, probably, you know, give him a, a wide berth. But, I mean... If you're one of those guys who likes taking a risk, he's putting up massive numbers at the moment, so you could, you know, theoretically get on board. A couple of guys in the midfield who I really want to talk about, and we did talk about one of these guys earlier, and they're both second-year players, which is the amazing thing. Oliver Wines and Jackson McRae, who is the best second-year player of those two, and it's very, very close. Jeez, I love Ollie Wines. I think he's just going to be an absolute star for us in the future anyway. But how about McRae? He's really stepped up. 131 on the weekend. He's looking pretty good. But the good part about it is that it's a massive fantasy game. I think Ollie Wines um, probably works harder. Um, yeah. But McRae, oh, the way he moves around the ground, he's you know, a little bit taller. He looks pretty good. So um, a lot of people did jump on after a great preseason and then a good round one. So, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's been pretty good. I would say in the preseason, I was looking at him and I was thinking, four out of five, Aaron, surely this guy's got to <laughs> drop off in, in the actual season, but he hasn't. And I'm glad I took the punt in, uh, in AFL Fantasy with a free hit because he's, uh, he stayed on my side, actually. I'm very happy to have him in field. If he was any sluttier, he'd be a porn star. That's how hard he works. He gets <laughs> in the forward line, in the back line. You can just see him work so hard. I love Jackson McRae, but Oliver Wines, as you said, working very hard. He's actually the best average for any Port player so far this year, so that just shows how good he's going. 
116.7 average, and that's including a basement of 99. So, look, he could oh, yeah. be a massive, unique player. And I do know uh, one of my mates traded him in this uh, this week. Very happy with his score on the weekend. All right, how about uh, Sam Jacobs in the ruck? What are you thinking about him at the moment? Well, I mean, he's the third highest averaging ruckman, so that's a great thing. That's obviously behind uh, Sandy and Mumford, who are probably the, the must-have uh, set-and-forget combo at the moment. But, I mean, he's looking good. Uh, that second-round score of 67 worries me. Have you watched many uh, LA games today? No, I haven't, but I've seen that. I've just sort of been looking at his numbers, though. He's getting plenty of hit-outs, but getting a, a bit of the ball around the ground, too. I think that's probably what he was a few years ago. Now, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I should have written this down, but he used to be one of our close-to-premium ruckmen so, um, and had a couple of down years. So he is looking pretty good, and I think we're seeing a little bit of a change this year with how some of the ruckmans are scoring because we're seeing some of those guys are going to be some decent premium picks at the end of the year, especially, you know, we're talking about Mumford. He's not under the radar, but he, um, he's been brilliant. And so Jacobs, he could be sitting up there very shortly too. Yeah, I wonder if that has anything to do with, obviously, Tippett leaving last year, but he hasn't had uh, Jenkins for the first couple of games yeah. this year. So the whole uh, Sol Ruckman factor is probably coming into that a little bit. If you're looking for a unique flavour, he's probably the guy you'd go at the moment. Minson's probably underperformed a little bit to this point, and you could probably snap him up. One of my boys on the weekend, and we'll get into it a little while later, while he is a big favourite of mine this season, Jackson Merritt, 112 point average so far. Does he remind you of any... um, any particular player that may have got a pig nomination uh, recently. Ah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to be thinking about him as a pig, but geez, he's looking very, very good so far. But he is a bit Stanton-like. He's a little bit cheap, isn't he? Um, but you know, he, he's he's been pretty good. No, he's he's getting he's a bit more in and under than Stanton, I think. Um, he had thirteen contested possessions, and um, that was the second most in that game on Sunday night. So that was pretty pretty exciting from him because he I don't know like the the pump that people took on him, and you're one of those, and I didn't, and I still don't believe it, and all that sort of stuff because as it, I go, it just doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. Um, someone tweeted me and said, oh, but his end of last year was great. No, it wasn't. He had a few <laughs> 30s in there and 60s, and then his pre-season, he only averaged 53 points per 100 minutes. So I'm just going, where is this honestly coming from? But, yeah, kudos to all of those people that have picked him. And, yes, T better, there's a massive pat on the back from Tasmania through to WA for you. Thank you very much. Uh, I've I've loved him to date, but so I'm guessing you're pretty wary that that's not going to continue. Do you would you call him a premium for the rest of the year, or more of just a a bridging trade, like a, you know a quick cash influx? Yeah, you've got to be smart. He's a bridging trade, definitely. You you he's that stepping stone to someone else. But um, especially in AFL fantasy, we want to be playing those sort of. Average, uh, those percentages of um, break-evens and all that whole uh, stock market sort of thing because that he's perfect for that. He's got a break-even that I think it's negative two, is it, at the moment? It's um, it's pretty low. So yeah, it's he's, um, Yeah, so he's still going to go up in value. The only worry for me, I suppose, is what's going to happen against Fremantle over at uh, Patterson's to start with, but we saw what sort of numbers the Hawks had on Friday night. It might be a little bit nasty with the way that the Bombers are playing, so he could still be in for a decent score, even if it isn't up around those that 130-odd or whatever he had last week. Um, but, yeah, so I think that, yeah, he's he's got to be 
scoring all right. Like, it's going to still be good as much as it's going to hurt me because I don't have him. Um, and I don't think I'll get him in either at this stage. But, yeah, I think that I think that he'll certainly make you plenty more money and will be that bridging trade type guy. Fingers crossed because he's our death lecker for me at the moment, which is Ooh. obviously Lacroix out for another six weeks with a broken arm, which is a bit disappointing as an Eagles fan, but I'm getting on your boys, getting on your boys, more dog. Uh, yeah, I guess this is a nice little segue into a, a stat that I've been a big fan of in the last couple of years, and that's the triple trouble. For those who <laughs> that's don't, a good one. I'm trying to plug it here, boys. Um, for those who don't know, that's a 25 disposals, five marks, and five tackles kind of game, and that pretty much guarantees you 100 points if you nail all three of those categories. So, so far this year, we've had five players uh, over the first three rounds uh, top that figure, and it's no surprise that they're putting up massive numbers. So I'll just read through them quickly. Michael Barlow, Joe Watson, Clinton Jones, who's in there, Sean Burgoyne, and our boy Tom Rockliffe. So have you got on any of those boys? Well, I've got Joe Watson. I'm pretty happy with that so far. Um, he came good, I suppose, at the end of the uh, end of the game because he was struggling a little bit on Sunday night. But um, yeah, see, Joe's been a winner for me right from the start. But he's the only guy I've got out of those. I think Rocky's definitely on the radar to get in soon. And Barlow, in his two games, he had a really great start. So it was disappointing not only for him for football that he was um, injured, but he was going pretty well for those people that took the punt on him. So it's a little bit disappointing when something like that happens because he was looking to be a really, really good pick. Absolutely. Now, the reason why I want to talk about the triple trouble is because these are often the guys who go under the radar. They pump out the points and we don't expect it. A little bit of history for everyone. Uh, Brock McLean, who's obviously a bit out of the limelight so far this year, a couple of years ago, he was one of the only two players in the comp. Him and Shane Tuck were the two players who averaged the triple trouble um, and they had their massive fantasy years, I think both over 105, and Brock McQueen may have been 110 plus. So some massive years for them, and nobody saw it coming. So if we can get on these things early, it would be awesome. So a couple of guys who are very, very close at this stage, and I'll read out the names, and you'll know why uh, while they're up there, because they're pumping out a fair few fantasy points. You've got Oliver Wines there, who we've talked about already. Nathan Jones, who's just had a weird season for Melbourne, had a... a Actually, he had a statless last quarter on the weekend, so, I mean, that's not great for a premium, but he's still been pumping out the points. Uh, Jack Redden, a little bit under the radar as well. He's averaging 113 and almost a triple trouble. Uh, Jackson Merritt we've talked about. Matthew Boyd, I mean, he's no spring chicken. Yeah, he's getting up there. Um, I mean, he's not going to be the awesome Matthew Boyd 115 average that we've seen in the past, but he can still get you a few points. Uh, my anti-boy, I guess you could say, Brad Ebert, he's going at <laughs> 20 disposals, six marks and eight tackles a game. So The eight tackles good. look nice, don't they? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he has to get the ball somehow. He's got to get something. <laughs> uh, Adam Cooney, Luke Parker, James Kelly, Liam Shields, David Myers and Matt Thomas are all not that far off. So you look at all those guys, they're all averaging pretty much 95 plus and a lot of those guys we probably wouldn't expect. So, I tell you what, the best thing to do if you're looking at bringing in a player is just check out their mark and tackle categories. They're the ones who go, I guess, under the radar and they can be pretty rewarding. 
the triple trouble. Yes, yeah. they can be. <laughs> no, and that's it's a bloody great thing. I, I'm really liking these numbers, looking at those, and I suppose, like you said, the mark and the tackles, that's always something I've always looked at. I always think, you know, how are they getting their points? Are these consistent? And that's probably the biggest part about um, things like tackles because you can get there and go, oh, geez, he scored that well because he had that many tackles. But if he is pumping out five-plus tackles a game, then that's really positive moving forward, picking a guy like that because you know that they're, they're pretty easy ways for them to get those points and if those those possessions come along with it and um, and any marks as well, obviously they will boost their scores along the way. So they're the big ones that you do want to look at and this list, to better is a list of guys that we should all definitely be considering and I think Jack Redden's probably one that I am really, really looking at, I suppose, because he was, well, he was one of our almost true premiums a couple of years ago and he's still quite underpriced I would say for what he's capable of doing and what he's done this year. Absolutely I've had him in my uh, ultimate footy team for the last couple of years and I'm a big fan he's there again so I'm loving his 113 point average as you mentioned the tackles are what really gets him up there obviously four points per tackle if you're averaging six that's 24 extra points that you don't really see as a viewer. I guess it's the same way if, as Ruckman, who averaged 40 hitouts. You know, that's 40 that they're basically starting on the beginning of the game. They just have to pick up a couple of stats elsewhere. All right, I guess uh, we'll get on to something that I've been looking at very closely over this week, um, the AFL Fantasy Team Trends. Into why I'm up and about this week. There's this little game going around <laughs> called Fantasy Pun, and I'm all over it. Warn Dog, have you been getting involved? I did on Saturday, um, and kind of got too busy on Sunday to have a bit of a crack. But geez, mate, I. It, I, I did all right last year. I got my money back on Saturday night. I think I ended up, yeah, last year I think I would have been up a, a few hundred dollars um, at the end of the year. But in one weekend, Alex Trombetta, how did you go? Uh, thanks for the, the pump up. Yeah, I actually took out the round version of the game this week, and with a $2,000 guaranteed prize pool, I didn't get all of it, obviously, but uh, $629 uh, into ching, the ching, old Bit of an ego pod, this one, I've got to admit. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, don't want to give away too much about my pay rates, but that's a fair few hours of the old day job, so I can yeah. put the feet up. <laughs> it's a lot of bags. Yeah, that is, exactly. Um, I'm pretty pumped with that. Can you just give uh, the listeners who don't know what Fantasy Pun is, because a few have been tweeting me about it, actually. Can you just uh, let them know what it's all about, just a quick little rundown? Yeah, pretty simply, there's um, a couple of different games. So it's it's a Luxbet game, so the betting company Luxbet. So 18 plus, gamble responsibly, all those little disclaimers for people that go, oh, you shouldn't talk about gambling. Um, Pretty much, yeah. You've got um, you've got two different games. You've got the round game as you dominated on the weekend, and if I wish I had that in round one when I did so well in the um, AFL <laughs> fantasy exactly. with the side that I picked there. But um, yeah, so that's you've got a salary cap. You pick your squad, um, and the base. I think they're all based on the AFL fantasy prices. I haven't really matched it up. Last year they definitely were, but I'm pretty confident they follow those along the way. Yeah, so, yeah. spot on there. So you'll um yeah so you pick your sides based on those and it just works the same as 
any AFL fantasy game that you've played before, points scoring is all the same. So all your study and all of that works. But um, so that's the that's the round game. But you also have similar to the match day that we um, play on the AFL fantasy site is that you've got round games. But what's different about those is that I think there's a few more players, but you've got. Um, but you've got a salary cap for those. So it's a little bit of a different challenge. And so when I'm picking those sorts of te- teams, and I suppose I do it in the round one as well, I always scroll down the bottom first and look at which cheapies I'll get in first and then build my premiums around those. And um, I don't know, that's probably not the right strategy because you probably don't do it, Mr. Million Dollar Money Man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's how those sorts of games work. So in a nutshell, that's basically it. You've got a, a round game, a bit like what round one of AFL Fantasy free hit was this year and then you've got your match day style game where you there's usually two or three a weekend where you can punt on those exactly and uh it's ten dollars per entry per team you can put in you can put in as many as you like as warney said very responsive you gamble responsibly 18 plus but it did tell you what it's really fun to follow your team through the weekend and, and they do made... have like live scoring or live ladders on that too which is pretty awesome to follow too which was pretty massive for me, actually. I was uh, 68 points down leading into the last game, Essendon versus Carlton. I had Hibbard and uh, hashtag my boy Jackson Merritt versus Cade Simpson and Menzel. And that last quarter was massive. Uh, Menzel uh, missed the goal, hit the post from 10 metres out. That uh, that helped. Cade Simpson got like something like four points in the last quarter. And I came home like a steam train. A plus, couple of plus sixes to hit it in the back line. I was up and about, I'll tell you what. That was a, a five-point win in the end. So sorry to uh, last leg of the multi who lost at the last second there. But that was... <laughs> it, was a, it was a big, big night. I had a couple of James Bogues beforehand. So I was uh, dancing all over the living room. It's pretty awesome. What this is segueing into, by the way, quite a long introduction there, is we want to look <laughs> at the, <laughs> the team trends. So these are, I guess, when you're looking at the round game particularly, you want to sort of pick... Uh, the value guys, but obviously it's a very it's very like fixture trading, but obviously fixture selecting because you're only picking it for one round. So I think uh, I think we'll kick you off, Warn Dog, with uh, your boys. Can you give us a bit of a rundown on what Essendon are doing to other teams this year? Well, the Bombers are absolutely dominating the fantasy game. That's because of touches all across it. But um, with your little spreadsheet that you sent me to better, it bloody <laughs> looks good. And they're pretty nice numbers to look at um, of what Essendon's been doing. Obviously, round one, they were very, very awesome. They had they scored 2,012 fantasy points, which is massive for a team to rack up in a game. So that looked pretty good. They got off to an absolute flying start. And so their for and against us is pretty good too. So... Um, what Essendon are scoring. So they've gone... They're averaging quite well. 1928, which um, is the top, obviously, for... Oh, is it the top for all teams? I think it is, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, yep, and just, so, just some uh, a bit of perspective there. The average is 1555, and they're, well, I guess, almost 400 points more than that. So that's massive. 33% or so better than bloody the average. It's is pretty that awesome. Right, that, yeah. <laughs> Are you a math teacher, Warn Dog? Or yeah, um, not at the moment. No, not at the moment. Yeah, taking a week off, taking it easy. Uh, big bucks. Look, Essendon, and this is probably the best way to look at it. You don't want to pick teams playing them because they're hogging all the fantasy points right now. If you look at uh, what they're giving up to opposition teams against, you're going to get ten players. Uh, sorry, ten points less per player when they play Essendon. So that's a massive stat. That's that the kind a of big... team. Yeah. that you want to avoid because they're just, at the moment, just 
taking it like a bad wife, just taking, 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 and not giving any back, <laughs> which is uh, kind of like what your fantasy uh, team's doing there, Warn Dog. Do you think it has anything to do with Bomber Thompson as a as an Essendon fan? Well, they've changed their game a little bit, like the possession-wise. Bombers weren't too bad last year. It might be another one of those fast starts again, but I think they, they are just... The possession count is just up a lot higher. Um, they've, they've had a pretty good start, like, to the year, I suppose, when you think about North Melbourne um, round one. They looked pretty good against them. They dominated the... Uh, the Blues on the weekend, but then even in the game that they lost there to uh, who was that to? That was to Hawthorne, Hawthorne. two they, points. They they were good in the game, like they were within the game and all that sort of stuff, and so um, they didn't. Um, you know, they were still racking up the ball as much as what they were in those other two weeks. So I think it definitely has to have a bit to do with Bomber Thompson. So I kind of hope, and I always do this. This is non fantasy relevant as well, but I hope that he stays next year. Well, yeah, I think he said that he's definitely not. But, you know, we know what happened with Paul Roos saying he definitely wouldn't uh, coach again. And he stepped and straight And Bombers as well, too. Look, you mentioned, uh, <laughs> you mentioned that Hawthorne and Essendon, even though they lost, they did quite well. 18-29, they outscored Hawthorne by uh, to 13-69. So that's uh, almost a 500-point beating in the, in the Dream Team. And they still lost the game. So it shows, I mean, Hawthorne's, I think, almost second... Uh, in point score themselves, actually, in fact, they are. So that's pretty massive uh, for them to just absolutely dominate. It's a short kicking that's getting it. A lot of uncontested possessions and uncontested yep. marks. Get around Essendon if you're looking for some fantasy punt play guys. And uh, same with match day. If Essendon's coming up against anyone, just lower your team with bombers. The next team I want to talk about, and this has been, a, I guess, a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, even though they've had a soft draw so far, GWS are actually restricting teams Second team after Essendon uh, in terms of points against. They're only allowing 14.56 points against. What do you reckon that's, well, a result of? Well, it's a big. They've been the big surprise packet of um, these first three rounds of fantasy, I suppose. That um, I saw a tweet from GWS today that uh, who is it? Must be. Callum Ward and Mumford are the only two players that are averaging uh, that have scored sorry over 110 points in all three matches. So that's a pretty awesome stat there. But yeah, I think they're just it's confidence would be a huge thing. They're into their third year. Um, the kids there are maturing a fair bit. Um, I don't know how much that their game has changed. I think Leon Cameron is looking like he's a pretty decent coach at the minute too. But um, the, yeah, obviously the way they're doing that is it's that restricting. They're not scoring huge fantasy points them themselves um, like compared to they're pretty much on the average but what they are doing is holding teams down especially like Melbourne they smashed them conditions were a hard one to look at there and I suppose in round one too um, there were the thunderstorms there too against the Swans so um, that they could come into it so they we might need a little bit more data to really see this but yeah that's that's what I'm seeing at the minute. That's a great point you mentioned there. A couple of rainy games and also, yeah, it is only three weeks of data. Pretty much the smallest sample of data you can really get together and call um, a pattern there. Just quietly, um, copyright that stat, by the way. I reckon they've got that from my Real Dream Team article. I was going to whip that out a little bit later, but uh, cheers, GWS Giants, oh. uh, for getting involved <laughs> with the Dream Team. The last team I want to talk in in terms of team trend, uh, talk about in terms of the Dream Team trend, sorry, is Paul Ruse, and we've obviously talked about him a fair bit over the preseason. They're looking okay, even though, uh, I mean, on the weekend they got smashed. They're allowing five uh, tons per game, which is pretty massive. And I guess 
we've said that Melbourne are going to be competitive in dream team terms this season, but they're still giving up a lot of 100-point scores. Yeah, so they're, they're averaging sort of against is is probably above the above the competition average. So they are letting teams off the hook and they're able to rack up those points. So that's a, that's a great thing about Paul Ruse is doing it both ways. Yeah, love love the guy uh, in terms of what he's done for especially Don Tice and uh, he's been massive for us this preseason. All right, I think we'll start to wrap it up now with some big calls and things to remember for this week. All right, Warren Dog, you're the uh, genius, I guess, of the guy that we pay to all see the advice on the AFL fantasy site. What's some things to remember this week? Um, well, it's a nice normal round. That's a good thing that um, that we do like. It's a, the bloody Friday starts and the Sunday finishes. That's always a nice thing. But And so always remember that we've got the lockout for both AFL Fantasy and Real Dream Team on the Friday night and they're locked away. So make sure you do your double, triple checking before that. Um, but yeah, we've got in Real Dream Team and Supercoach, there are a few guys on the bubble. So there might be some people there worth thinking about. Probably number one for me would be Cade Collar-Jasney. He's um, our Lonnie boy. He, I think he's a real deal, one of the best in the back line. And I think you can actually back him in to be on your ground each week. Yeah, for sure. I, I've got on him in AFL Fantasy already, and I'm I'm quite happy that I got on him before his debut. He's looking great. Josh Kelly is the other one. Uh, he looked Michelle. awesome on the weekend in, in wet conditions. He had 100 points in Supercoach. I made the big call last week that he'd get in Dream Team. Didn't quite get there with 73, but he looks like he could be a future star, and he might be the Trent McKenzie of a couple of years ago, if anyone remembers. He missed round one and had a really good uh, rest of his season. Uh, yeah. Other guys there, Buckley, he's looked all right. Lin Jong, had to just put him in there for Lin Sanity. Uh, shout out to Mom. <laughs> he loves the bloke. And Jeremy Laidler as well uh, will play his third game if you're really desperate for someone in the back line there. The other thing to remember, for those who are globetrotters of the fantasy world, Ultimate Footy, their position changes start this week. So keep an eye out on those guys. I guess apart from that, just got to look at the injured guys. Look, Check those teams on... A Thursday night, and then I guess fr- a Friday afternoon too, and maybe keep your ear to the ground, especially on Twitter and stuff. Like, especially if guys aren't flying. So, if Chappie is named for whatever reason, I don't think the Bombers are going to be bad about that sort of stuff. But you know, check to see if he has flown over to Perth, and that should be Friday afternoon before lockout. Yeah, Beams is the other one as well. He's got the sore ankle. They've said he's going to be all right, but we all know what happened in round one last year, where he didn't actually rock up. Big calls to finish off the pod, as we always do. I'll start one off. My big call is that I'm really, really considering a restructure this week. I think yep. I've, uh, I've made a little bit of a tactical boo-boo. I've gone probably too big in my midfield. So I've got four primos. There. I actually had five primos, two mid-prices, and the three rookies, which meant that I had to bench uh, Pollock and Dunstan last week. And oh. I already made a small change this week, and I, I got Scooter out and use a bit of DPP action, and still this week, Dunstan was on the bench. So I'm really, really considering uh, bolstering the forward line and bringing in another, say, Lewis Taylor, doing a a DPP trade, uh, getting him in the midfield, and allowing me to play that extra mid-rookie, which would be, I guess, a big call to go from the structure, completely different structure, to two weeks later, uh, three, four trades, to something completely different. Warning, what's your big call? Ah, uh, yeah, my big call for this week is that the pig, Dane Swan, 
won't be my captain this year, and he's a very, very low chance of being a member of the Warn Dogs for the first time probably in about half a dozen years, I think. Hold on. Warn- <laughs> oh, no. Your boy, Dane Swan, the guy that was squeaking the pig in the background of your recent interview. Are we talking about the same guy? Smash. Oh, yeah, and it's sad. I just He's spending a lot of time forward. Uh, yeah. The only thing that could be positive, if those rumours are true about AFL Fantasy, where the position changes will come in, he may even cop a little bit of a, an F next to his name. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I just, I just can't do it at the moment. I just can't see it happening. I just don't know what's going on. So um, I think, to be honest, there's better options. That's, that's probably more the thing. But, geez, it's going to take a fair bit, and we're going to have to get him at the right price to, to be able to even justify selection. Absolutely. I think selfishly a little bit. I hope he has a couple of bad weeks and then just in the middle of the year just goes bang, bang, bang and just really makes us get on board at a low price. But Well, that's it. His buy sits nicely and I think that's where, I'm not going to say we'll get tricked into it, but that could be where that happens. Because with the round eight buy, the for those people that aren't up with that sort of trading around the buys, is that um, getting in a round eight guy after they've had their buys, so round nine or round ten, for one of those guys that have got to buy that week, that's where it'll work perfectly. And he, the way it's going, he could be that right price around then. Yeah, well, as you said, he's uh, he's, he's fighting, uh, hiding to nothing to get into our, your team, I guess, and I'm pretty much the same. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there, Warren Dog. What can we expect from the traders and the site in the next few days? Probably less of the oinking, but uh, yeah, no, I don't know. What have we got? We've got Calvin's Captains will be up on uh, on the AFL website, which is always a great read. I've had a bit of a read of this week's actually myself, so it's it's looking pretty good and be interesting. I think he's he's gone back to, oh, we'll give that away, will we? He's gone back to Gary Ablett as his number one captain, which was, well, I guess pretty obvious and pretty safe, especially after what he did there. But his numbers against Hawthorne, I'm not going to give it all away now, but his numbers against Hawthorne are something to behold so that's probably the big thing um also on thursday night we'll be doing our live chat on the afl website which is cool it's good fun it's pretty nuts though because we have thousands of people in there like it's actually multiple thousands which is unbelievable um reading our stuff and then also doing um doing different things i suppose with uh plenty of questions plenty of things going on there and we've got a little video that goes up and it doesn't get much love i don't think on the afl website on on friday so keep an eye out on for that all right, looking forward to it. Cheers for listening, guys. As always, check out dreamteamtalk.com for all your fantasy needs. Plenty of guys on there willing to give you a hand. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at tbetter 9 for me and at WarrenDT for Warnie. Warnie DT. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to get involved. All right, cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> You're a funny man. See ya.